0: Hey, good morning everybody. This is your host, Claudia Shambaugh, welcoming you to the January 8th, 2013 edition of Ask a Leader. Happy New Year. One more time, I won't say it again, but this this is my second time saying that. We're going to dust off the hyperbole of the great and deferred debate on the American federal budget. My first guest, CPA Deborah Dixon, is well positioned to talk about how the American Taxpayer Relief Act of 2012, it barely made the 2012 mark, folks, uh, and uh, how she's going to address how it affects individuals and the firms. So, afterward, my second guest will be Charles Bleck, founding president of the California chapters of the Brady Campaign to Prevent Gun Violence and the uh, Orange County chapter president this time. He'll talk about whether or not now is the time for some kind of legislation to address the great American standoff on gun ownership in the aftermath of the massacre at Sand Hook Elementary and the very recent attack in Aurora, Colorado. Be back in just a Jeff Stay with us. Thank you, everybody, for staying with us here on Ask a Leader. My first guest is Deborah Dixon. And she is a CPA. She's the founder and president, of, uh, CEO of Smith Dixon, a, a, a accounting firm here in Irvine. We're going to be talking today about the American Taxpayer Relief Act of 2012. Deborah Dixon represents corporate and individual tax, uh, individuals and in preparing their uh uh, tax documents for clientele with a 3 to $5 million sales revenue. That's the the Orange County's middle market business clients and their owners. Not my demographic, but I bring in the experts wherever I can find them and she is available to talk with us today. Um, and if tracking the latest tax code developments it's not enough, she's also hanging a shingle rendering uh, expert witness services. She earned her bachelor's degree uh, in finance and marketing at Brigham Young University and later she did graduate studies at Cal State Fullerton and And Golden Gate University, um, within taxes and accounting, she comes to us today from Irvine. Welcome to Ask Alita, Deborah Dixon.
1: Good morning, Claudia. I'm pleased to be with you today.
0: Well, uh, now, just I guess, well, let's just personalize this a minute bit. Uh, Can you live with the Tax Relief Act uh, and your household level?
1: Well. You know that's something I don't like to disclose okay,
0: well, never mind then <laughs> I just thought somebody thought well, maybe that would be a question to ask that but uh that was a a, a from left field but some sometimes there's a we we can call it an interesting sort of a spin a, a piece from that so but uh, you
1: but I was going to say as a business person, there are a number of good regulations for businesses, and so I can certainly live with those
0: okay, okay. And uh, so you're you are used to talking mostly about stimulus packages for your clients, people fil- filing their tax documents, and so on. But on Ask a Leader, we're going to focus mostly on uh, sort of the the uh, I usually talk about the macro, but we're, today we're going to talk about the micro considerations because that's that's both what you do and I think what listeners are wanting to know. How does it affect me? And we're hearing it roll out in all kinds of press and media outlets, but today we can make it a little more intimate back and forth about those effects. So let's, Deborah Dixon, let's first talk about the changes that affect mostly everyone. The payroll tax, that's what's deducted each, um, each Term each payroll, a uh, paid check uh, from that set aside, and that payroll tax goes to Social Security or the FICA, correct? That's right. And so, that some folks are already going to see that change by the end of the week. Let's talk about that change for the first.
1: Sure, that change is a big change for oh, everyone. You may know that in the year 2012. The government gave us a payroll tax holiday of 2% on our Social Security earnings. And so, um, for instance, if you're a person who made $50,000, you would have saved $1,000. Uh, $1,
0: over in, a whole year.
1: Over a whole year, which is a big amount of money for your a budget. And then if you're a person who made $110,000 or over, you would have saved $2,200. And so by taking away this payroll tax holiday, the average person, if your salary has not changed, will be paying in quite a bit more money to the government. So that's going to impact everyone's budget.
0: Okay. That, for the beginning, it's spaced out... um and so uh, that's and it will. It's every single. Uh, if it's like twice a month, once a month. It's it's always going to be deducted every month. This this, spreading it out. And so and it changes. It's it's the change has reached into higher income levels uh, than in the past because was it the the um, all right. Let's say prior to the holiday, that the higher the income, the more actually the more regressive the tax was. That you were uh, you. It topped off at around. I can't remember, seventy, eighty thousand dollars $80,000 a year salary, but, uh, but now we're, we're seeing a sort of a, a sliding scale that, that higher wage earners are paying larger than they used to before the holiday.
1: Well, that's right. It tops off this particular 2% payroll tax, tops off at about 110000 okay, payroll.
0: which is a lot higher than before.
1: Yes. Yeah, well, it's been in that range. For probably three or four years now
0: okay that's what I mean it's, it's be, in the past mm-hmm. it was a much set at a much lower level
1: yes. okay
0: well then uh, lots of people were concerned about their unemployment benefits because many of us are still sort of in limbo here not fully gainfully or even not employed at all and so they weren't sure whether the negotiations were going to be completed in time for a steady uh, provision of unemployment insurance. So that was extended with the uh, Taxpayer Relief Act. How long, though, and to what extent, At what percentage of the unemployment insurance is going to be uh, distributed to uh, to the individuals, the, the claimants that have been getting them?
1: The unemployment compensation insurance has been extended for a year. And so, my understanding right now, as we don't have all the details yes. on uh, the code at this point, is that everything is the same. Okay. So, so whatever folks were getting last year, they should be getting again this year. Okay. At least for another year.
0: Are there there are there payroll deductions from unemployment insurance? I can't answer that. Okay. Well, that's because I'm wondering where um, you know it's if there's sort of moving targets within um, these different pieces, and that's that's a. Uh, uh, it's an interesting point to uh, try to keep in mind, um, you know, how much how much one one line item is going to sort of spill over into another one. Good so point. if you're, and those of you, you've just joined us, you're listening to Ask a Leader on KUCI 88.9 FM Irvine. We're streaming live on KUCI.org, and you can follow on the Twitter feed and on the Facebook. My guest is Deborah Dixon, CPA, talking with us today about the American Taxpayer Relief Act of felt. 20- 2012, I'm sorry, uh, how it affects individuals and firms. So um, it's it may not be your own client's demographic, but uh, it was an interesting piece I heard this morning about uh, the marriage penalty. Um, the lowest income levels will not, they're spared the ma- marriage penalty. We can see it showing up in the highest levels uh, with a single individual earning $400,000 um, where the, uh, the tax... Um, the tax is set, to, or the, a tax increase occurs, uh, but uh, the marriage pair filing with $450,000, that's where the, the, the tax increase occurs. So, But with the lower demographic, where are we seeing that uh, variable there with the marriage penalty?
1: You will not see the marriage penalty as often in the lower demographic, although you will see it if you're comparing all throughout the tax tables... You compare single rates to married, filing joint rates. And married, filing joint rates, you don't get a double benefit from a single benefit. And so all the way through, you'll see that. But you're absolutely right that in the new tax act, there are definite marriage penalties. Um, If you look at, everyone's been wondering, what's the top tax rate now and how does that impact people? So, the top tax rate now yes. has gone up 4.6%. It's 39.6%. Fortunately, it doesn't kick in to most households unless your household is $400,000 per right. single.
0: The marginal tax rate, right. that's what or that is.
1: $450,000 for a married filing joint. But what you do see is you would, you would think you would double the single, you think you would be at $800,000 for a married filing joint. Where right. that top tax rate would start, and it doesn't work that way, so that 's an example of the marriage penalty
0: right and I mean I can see where there are um, some social uh, policy considerations that at that rate there's you know the, the, there there is more disposable income, and there are um, the the couple does share many expenses, so that uh, the hardship uh, is a different situation with the lower income, where there's no disposable income. It has there is a although we're not talking about uh, social policy here. I I think that I can understand that consideration, and it's uh, it's an important um, uh, understanding to uh, for us. I think to, as we talk about that. Okay. So um, then uh, it's. What are some other changes that you would like to uh, bring to our attention? We have mentioned some, but there are additional ones.
1: Let's talk about some of the individual changes. Let's continue
0: with that, yes.
1: Meaning changes that impact people as opposed to businesses. And so everybody's heard about the capital gains rate changes. Yes. It's at 15% in 2012 and remains that way unless your income is high again. And then your income would be, have to be that same threshold again, $400,000 for a single person or $450,000 for a married filing joint. And so capital gains come in when you sell something big like stock or real estate or a fixed asset of some type.
0: Anything that's not considered a salary.
1: Oh, well, I couldn't go that simply, but it's the sales of some type of investment product. Okay, okay. Okay? Okay. And then another tax that's important to people is the qualified dividends rate. The dividends that you received on your stocks for, you know, at any level have been traditionally taxed at 15%. If you're at that high income level the, again, the four hundred thousand slash four hundred fifty thousand, now those will be taxed at thirty-nine point six percent. Okay. So a big change there for high-earning folks. And then something really important for those who are earning over two hundred and fifty thousand single, or three hundred thousand married filing joint, is the net investment income.
0: And explain that for those of us who really haven't, uh, are witless here with the financial.
1: this is an important piece of information for any type of investor or anybody who has any investment products whatsoever. If you're over those income levels, you combine your rental income, your capital gains, your interest income, your dividend income, and any other passive income that you may have
0: that's net investment income.
1: Yes, adding all that—that's that. correct. You mm-hmm. find all of those, and you pay an additional three point eight percent tax. And so, on top of if you're in a, for instance, if you're in a really high income bracket, you pay the thirty-nine point six percent plus an additional three point eight percent. So you're arriving at a forty-three point four percent high tax bracket there.
0: That is reaching, that's, but the net investment income, that's, it's not the, now we're not talking about the salary range of 200000 300000 it's strictly those earnings, that all the, the combined investments, the net of investments, that those t- uh, exceed 200000 for an individual, 300000 for a couple, then it becomes that 40, up to 43%. Uh,
1: well, it's slightly different. If your overall income is greater than those threshold amounts, the two hundred fifty thousand and the oh yeah the two hundred and the two hundred fifty thousand, then they look at the net investment income, and on the investment income, you pay the three point eight percent.
0: Okay, okay.
1: Well, kind of I, tricky.
0: This we can also can't we can say another. CPA Employment Security Act. What I mean, who's going to know how to really sort this out? They're just going to say, "Forget it." I'm just going to let, I'm going to let Deborah Dixon take care of this.
1: You know, sad but true. I think that that's what happens each time there's a tax law change.
0: Wow. This, but this one is, and it's so consequential. Well, are, are your clients are are they calling a lot? And they're um, they're wondering uh, now. They've already the the die is cast for 2012. But they're don't don't people tend to um, their behavior changes. They're going to. They're doing things. So we can't. We don't consider that this is going to be an absolute um, new contribution to the federal budget. People are going to change what they do. Look for ways not to have to pay this.
1: Well, that's absolutely true. Um, I probably had my biggest December work month ever because everybody wanted to know what to do about these upcoming tax law changes. And so you're right, the behavior did change. People recognized a lot of income in the months of November and December when they could. So essentially for tax planning, they pulled income into the year 2012 to avoid paying some of these taxes, at least for an initial couple of months of January, February. So the behavior does change. And if we have time and we talk about- yes other areas down in here I can tell you a number of things that people did to avoid paying these taxes in 2013 they knew something was going to come down
0: right well it right, right. it was uh, the die the die was Cast in terms of uh, the political hand that was being played, that was pretty clear. Something it was, I guess, it just not as detailed, and it wasn't exactly uh, clear whether which which side the act was going to be landing on, to twenty twelve or twenty thirteen. <laughs> well, then we we've already talked about um, the payroll tax. So that um, then the Medicare hospital insurance tax. How does that affect the individual?
1: What that is, that's, that's almost another percent. It's nine tenths of of 1%, and that's an additional tax for people who are $200,000 in income as a single individual or married filing joint $250,000. And so what will happen is, say, for instance, you're married and you're preparing your tax return, we'll look at what your overall income was, and if it was over two hundred fifty thousand dollars in adjusted gross income. Then you'll be taxed another almost one percent for the Medicare hospital insurance tax.
0: Okay, just and that affects a very few on that one.
1: Just the higher earners. Just those again. On that, uh huh.
0: And what about um, the exemptions here? I don't think we've <laughs> picked it up in the directly here in the, what you've talked about for the difference, um, a slight increase. Um, Uh, between 2012 and 2013.
1: Sure. The exemptions are important. The exemptions are mom, dad, and the kids. And so when you get to the higher income levels, which are going to be $250,000 for a single person and $300,000 for married filing joint, then the ability to write off yourself, your spouse, and your children starts to phase out. It goes away. And so, as that goes away, as your income gets higher, you will not be able to deduct anything for yourself and your family. That's your exemptions. And then, in that same category, there are phase outs for the Schedule A deductions. And those are charitable, house, mortgage interest, and taxes. Those would be state taxes and Mm -hmm. property taxes. Right. And at those same levels of $250,000 single and $300,000 marriage filing joint, the, the ability to write those off starts to phase away also.
0: Upward toward?
1: Up, to up the f- in those higher limits. And so what was the game there? Well, people, like, for instance, <clears throat> I pay tithing to my church, and I pay it once a year in tax season. So I decided rather than pay my Charitable contributions in March of 2013, I paid them in December mm-hmm, instead. Right. So that I would get 100% write off rather than having part of my charitable deductions phased out.
0: So the effect of this lar- could easily be the churches are not going to see, or congregations in general may see a huge drop off starting this <clears throat> month.
1: You know, let's hope not. Let's okay. hope that people r- remain charitable. Because the nonprofits certainly need all the help they can get.
0: They do because it's, it, the um, social safety net, as the budget goes, is declining. So, the the uh, what's going in is um, go is declining, and what goes out may be decline is right. declining to follow that so, or right. it, to proceed. I mean, so um, and the are there any changes in what can be considered an exemption for 2013? because I remember there were some are the, the health care uh, expenses and all are all of those the same that people well, would be using? I think that
1: that's a good question Claudia what you'll find in the medical expenses that now you're, if you're going to be able to take medical expenses at all you used to have to look at your adjusted gross income and you were able to take expenses greater than 7.5% now you'll only be able to use that limitation if you're age 65 or older. Otherwise, your medical expenses may be, must be greater than 10% of your adjusted gross income.
0: Wow. So that's that's going to take... Only a CPA is going to be able to handle this stuff. Well,
1: you know, and really, we see very few clients who qualify to deduct medical expenses. Because, thank goodness, most people have insurance reimbursements. And so the additional medical that they do pay through... Prescriptions and deductibles and so forth don't add to seven and a half percent or ten percent of their adjusted gross income
0: assuming there's the coverage and there's yes, there's it's a variable right. thing and that's going to be changing with the health care the affordable health care act so uh, what a person um, has laid out for that uh, will um i don't know they they are uh with their premiums changing it's, there's so many moving targets anyway to uh, yes to, to see what what the exemptions um, mm-hmm. are are changing so um let's see let's we talked about the the uh, schedule a a little bit then will things change with the at the state levels income tax for, let's say for californians since that's where you're practicing and that's where <coughs> largely most people must be listening
1: yes you know that prop 30 was passed right Oh, and people <coughs> excuse me are excuse me just a second are wondering, how did Proposition 30 impact them? Well, there's a 1% tax increase. So people were paying 9.3% as their maximum taxable income rate before. And now they'll start at a 1% increase at $250,000 for singles and $500,000 for married filing joint and then it goes up from there you get an an additional 1% increase at $100,000 over that and then you arrive at 12.3% at $500,000 for singles and a million dollars for married filing joint okay nope. and additionally once you make $1, 000, 000, a million dollars there's an an additional 1% tax so the maximum California tax is 13.3%
0: okay so uh, there may be a reaction to that with uh, where people are going to. Um, I don't know. Do the Gerard Depardieu and move <laughs> move their assets to another place. He's mo- he's relocated to Russia. Uh, Vladimir Putin has. Um, this is a huge curveball, but I, I think it's fascinating that there. Um, this French actor was going to go to Belgium, and now he's going to Russia to a- avoid the tax. So we, I don't know what if there will be a, some kind of a uh, an exodus of. Uh, some kind of household um uh, income tax sheltering anyway to an, another place in- I can say
1: that I've seen that in my practice.
0: You already you yeah. already started seeing. I can't that.
1: give you names, but <laughs>
0: Wow, well, I wouldn't do that. <laughs> I'm that, that would like blow any kind of a discreet kind of uh, yes. fr- uh, era here. Yeah. So, um then the uh mental health surtax is different from the uh all of the Medicare medical um that we were talking about earlier. How does that differ?
1: That is a 1% tax charged on people with incomes over a million dollars. And so that's not something that most people have to deal with. So you take the top income tax rate for California of 12.3%, add the 1%, and you arrive at the 13.3%. Oh, I see. That's the highest bracket. in there.
0: And we, you mentioned the income tax as the California income tax changes with Prop Thirty. The sales tax will change. Everybody feels that
1: again. And that's right. That's the and most it,
0: regressive one of this whole thing we're talking about yes, today. Yeah, it
1: changed by a quarter of a percent. So now in Orange County, with the state and local taxes, we'll be paying eight percent.
0: And is um, I'm just when I look at that, is that going to show up at the pump as well? Is that also a sales tax yes. piece? So it's anything we're um, ka-ching, ka-ching, buying then it's um that's re- sales. Gas is retail, anything's retail. And Any,
1: anything we pay sales taxes on before it'll
0: restaurants it'll increase. Okay. Well, we wanted to talk a little bit about the firm before we close. Um the depreciation expenses and some other things these are really technical folks, but uh Ms. Deborah Dixon will make this all work for us and be understandable. So uh, the salient part here is Uh, about how an investment can be uh, depreciated uh, over the the near term and how how that is going to work.
1: So talking about business, a couple of really good provisions have passed. And, for instance, if your business invests in equipment or fixed assets, you can write off the first $500,000.
0: Now, excuse me, one equipment. more, if we could back up. The business people know, but the fixed asset, is that a like uh, the real estate, um, the, the physical structure or something like that? A
1: fixed asset would be machinery and equipment or computers or furniture. Okay. And so, for instance, the state of California has a law now where most of the trucks that our clients were driving need to be... Um, retired and new trucks need to be purchased within the next couple of years to meet the environmental standards. And so clients are very concerned about costs of buying expensive trucks. So now, with being able to write off $500,000 in a year, I have a client who has to buy seven trucks at $125,000 a piece. So they can buy four of them this year and just write off the entire amount while they're still financing the trucks. They don't have to pay for them, but, you know, they can pay for them on installment payments, but they can write them off okay. as they go. So that's really helpful to businesses.
0: And it's a it's a stimulus. That's, that's what I think economists who are leery of how much uh, invigoration in the economy is occurring with public policy. I, I can't, I have to go macro on that one. That, that, that has a, we'll we'll see a stimulus benefit from that.
1: That's right. We had it 2 years ago and it actually very much stimulated the economy for equipment purchases in 2011. And on top of this ability to write off 500,000 for the remaining write-off of the equipment, you get another 50% write-off. So for wow. instance, you bought a you bought a $1 million dollar piece of equipment, you can write off $500,000 of that and then 50% of the next 500000 So you can write off $750,000 in the first year.
0: And then you can hire more people to run that equipment. There you go. Okay.
1: So that's a great stimulus that's going on.
0: Okay. Great. Well, do we have a little time just to, to get in the estate tax, the gift tax, before we close?
1: All right. The estate tax exemption is 5 million dollars now. And what does that mean? That means for instance, mom and dad both pass away. And your estate is worth 11 million dollars. You do you say 11 million dollars minus 5 million dollars for dad, minus 5 million dollars for mom, you're taxed on 1 million dollars now at
0: 40%. Okay.
1: And so essentially between the family you get a ten million dollar pass before you have to start paying estate taxes,
0: and that went up from. Let's see, what was it prior to the all the tax holiday, the tax cuts? Let's say twenty two thousand and one, or two was I think no, it was in the Clinton administration that the there was the. Um, the more uh, liberal terms for um, inheriting estate uh, uh, assets but this this is maintaining this is is it up from that previous
1: yes it used to be lower
0: it was at around was it 1 to 2 it was one about to 2 million
1: right. a long time ago
0: so this is for the term for the long term this is a very generous allocation it's
1: good in the years 2011 12 and 13 we've had this exemption of 5 million dollars per person
0: So it remains in place for those assets to remain uh, with the families, what it does. It's never redistributed in any fashion. That's
1: that's right, as long as you do your proper planning and and you're less than $10 million. And additionally, if you'd like to gift something to a friend, a child, Mm -hmm. a relative, the gift tax Exclusion is now $14,000.
0: That's up. That used to yes. be 10,000, I remember.
1: Yes, and it's increased a little bit each year. And so, for instance, if you're married, mom can gift $14,000 to to child 1, and dad can gift $14,000 to wow. child 1. And you can do this for each one of your children. You can do this for anyone you want, actually. And so that works pretty well, and there's no income tax reporting requirements.
0: So and that's considered that's income. That's not because it's not an investment where a capital gain rate would kick in. So it's, it's what right. your what's your income tax rate. It actually be.
1: is a form it's a form of estate taxation as opposed to income taxation.
0: Okay. So distinguish that. So there's three. Yes. Well, I I appreciate you giving us this really accessible interpretation and distillation of what is an unwieldy another go at um, uh, how we uh, pay our taxes. I'm happy, folks, to uh, to pay mine. I um, uh, because I I get a lot out of uh, you know with all of the public uh, goods, and I don't mind it. I'm going to pitch that, and so I'm. I I, I hope we can uh, you know we can be affirming about how. Um, how generous we want to be about the, the, the general treasury for, uh, for our fellow person. So um, I, uh, I salute you, Deborah, for bringing this in today. And uh, didn't mean to give you that uh, curveball in the beginning there, but, you know, it's just to see what you were going to say, I, it just occurred to me. So um, thank you for coming on Ask a Leader, Deborah Dixon, CPA, talking with us today about the American Taxpayer Relief Act of 2012. All the best and Happy New Year to you, Deborah.
1: Happy New Year to you, Claudia. Okay,
0: thank you so much. Thank you. We are going to um, pick up in the second half of the show with uh, Charlie Black, the founding president of the California chapters of the Brady Campaign to Prevent Gun Violence. Aurora, Colorado was again hit with another multiple gun death over this last weekend. Gun sales are brisk, and most of us want to know how much longer we must witness this morbid trend, this perverse cycle. Stay with me, folks. We'll be right back and examine what's happening on a more productive level, I promise. Couldn't resist, folks, how high the moon with the, the Louis Prima band there. We were talking such high funds. I had to talk about how, how high the moon was. Well, now for this portion of the show, we have on our show here, that is Charlie Black. Uh, this We wanted to address uh, the proliferation of gun ownership in America. Charlie Black is the founding president of the California Chapters of the Brady Campaign to Prevent Gun Violence. He currently serves as president of the Orange County Chapter. He's been honored for his work by Loyola Law School, the Law Center to Prevent Gun Violence, the Brady Center to Prevent Gun Violence, and Violence Prevention Coalition of Orange County. Yes, it's here, folks. And he's written an article, quote, our Second Amendment, quote, unquote, published by the American Bar Association. He comes us from from he comes to us today from Orange County. Exactly which city?
2: Laguna Hills. In
0: Laguna Hills, right nearby. Welcome to Ask a Leader, Charles Bleck.
2: Thank you, Claudia. And to
0: uh, we know she's there. Mary to Mary lay a shout out to her nearby. You there? Who's nearby in this interview? Uh, she is your wife and partner in this prevention of gun violence
2: activism. So, I've been fortunate enough for us to be married forty four years, Claudia. Congratu- she's a Wonderful, wonderful spouse.
0: Congratulations to to you and your your activist spouse there well for first of all for those too young uh, to recall or those too buried in this incalculable losses that are sustained with our domestic gunfights James Brady was the poster man for gun control he was the Ronald Reagan press secretary severely wounded during an assassination attempt on President Ronald Reagan in uh, Washington DC almost. Let's see. Now it's almost thirty years ago, March nineteen eighty one. As it was, the severity of Reagan's injuries at the time; those were also they were underplayed uh, until much later. But uh, so uh, James Brady is still around. He uh, he, even though he was severely maimed, he remained the press secretary. Anyone the, those that succeed him were called the acting press secretary. Were let's um. Uh, Charlie Black, were you and your wife at that time in the early '80s involved in any political work dealing with gun control?
2: No, uh, we were raising three children at the time. Okay, so and quite frankly, when our kids became teenagers, our greatest fear was turning over the car keys to them. We were oblivious to, unfortunately, to the dangers involved with uh, with guns and gun violence. And there's no
0: way you could have seen coming what happened to your Matthew in 1994. For those who weren't here, who uh, who need to be reminded, can you tell us just a little bit about your son, Matthew, age 21, in 1994?
2: Matthew's our oldest. He was an honors physics and math major in college, and between his junior and senior year, he went off to visit some friends in New York City that he had met through wrestling programs. He was an undefeated league champion in high school, and he was having the time of his life and Unfortunately, Claudia, one, one morning about 3 a.m., we received a telephone call mm. from a New York detective with four short sentences. Your son was the victim of a robbery. He did not offer resistance. He was shot. He is deceased. Oh, my and that goodness. was the beginning of our journey. Oh, my goodness.
0: That's what they told you. So Yep.
2: Four short sentences, which just basically turned our world upside down and inside out.
0: So, and each and every time, a gun violence, and the ranging from an individual that you're, uh, you know, that you're familiar with that you read about, all the way up to a massacre of the proportion of the Newtown, Connecticut variety, that that uh, must continue to wreak havoc with you and peers of yours in in, in these kinds of experiences.
2: It rips the scab off all over again. Uh, That. Day that we heard about the Newtown massacre, uh, we had it was just a crazy day. Claudia, we had calls from press, but more importantly, we had calls from other victims and colleagues, and we just needed to talk because having been down that road and still continuing down that road, we had a concept of what those families would have to go through. Um, the holidays are no longer really holidays for us. Uh, it's it's uh, amazing. The the concept, um, I go out when, when I chat with, especially with district attorneys, I tell them to please lose the word closure because even if the culprit or perpetrator is convicted and they get on TV and they say, oh, this is wonderful, the family will have closure, no, I guarantee them that that family the very next day will feel just as badly as the day before because their loved one is still dead.
0: Oh, that's really, really something. I
2: I know how difficult it was for our family in in the summer to go back to New York and deal with the coroner and bring our son home. I just have a great deal of empathy for those families in Newtown that when December rolls around and other families will be celebrating Christmas and there'll be toys under the trees for the little ones, what they're going to have to go through. and, And no family should have to do that. No family should have to walk down that path.
0: Well, so the path you did take was you—you you got really busy. I remember when I met you uh, uh, within a, a couple of years of, of, of your son's passing, you got very busy with. Uh, first, you were—I um, don't know where, where you you studied up, but you, I remember how you uh, you were. Addressing... We started
2: with Orange County Citizens for the Prevention of Gun Violence, and we incorporated it as a nonprofit on Valentine's Day, 1995, and. In one regard, Claudia, we're very fortunate. My wife uh, was a public health nurse who put me through law school. Uh, so we approached this from a health, public health perspective exactly. and a prevention. Because exactly. Because if my son were standing next to me right now and I were to ask him, Matthew, would you want to lock that perpetrator up for the rest of his life, or would you rather try to keep that gun out of that 15-year-old's hands? I know what his answer would exactly. be exactly,
0: and that's and it, that's what it is. It's a it's dealing with the proliferation. It's the prevention of the ownership is what we're dealing with here. And um, there's so many levels to go with that. That for one, uh, well, so you, I'm sure you had a visceral reaction when Wayne LePere made his uh, sort of much anticipated address on December 21st. He was going in a whole different direction.
2: His remarks were so disingenuous; it was just absolutely ridiculous. Um, I look at it like a cure for malaria. We had to deal with the disease itself. We had to then look at the stagnant ponds, etc. But at some point in time, we had to focus on the mosquito itself. And for Mr. LaPierre to get up there and talk about everything in the world except the gun was terrible. And we have to put his, quote, leadership role in context, Claudia. We do. I'm told that we have Roughly 100 million gun owners in the United States. Okay. The NRA has a membership of 4 million, which is only 4% of the gun owners. And I have a lot of friends who are NRA members who tell me that they took a one-time, lifetime membership under uh, some kind of a special, or they belong to the NRA because of the magazine, not because they believe in what the hierarchy says. And, and that hierarchy is out of control, Claudia. They, to me, they are just simply a shield for the gun industry and the gun promotions and they spread fear and they spread paranoia, and their sole purpose is to sell more guns, which harms our communities. And I just think that's just really, really wrong.
0: Well, Wayne LaPierre's uh, the, the, uh, the, head, the mouthpiece for the NRA, it did seem to be like a shareholder meeting he was having, but but he uh, somehow got this monopoly of all the airwaves to uh, be able to broadcast, and it was a considerably long address for for a single issue like that. It was just it, it was it was and was it was phenomenal. a
2: shame that our press plays up to that. but uh, I think it's press. important that the general public first of all understands that they put a tremendous amount of money into this last election, and they got less than a one percent return on their investment. And the other thing is that we're doing a lot of polling now, and polling of okay. gun owners, yes. and polling specifically of NRA members, and the overwhelming majority, and I say the word majority with an emphasis, simply disagree with what he said. They, but, they believe in responsible gun policies. We need to close the gun show loophole and do a number of other things that are on our agenda.
0: And right, and uh, we talk about the gun show. It was amazing in Ontario over the weekend that that
2: the oh, yes. sales
0: were so brisk. It was it's sort of difficult to figure out how we get the genie back in the bottle when uh, the proliferation. Well, I don't
2: think we really need to. I remember a couple of years ago. Uh, Senator Orrin Hatch from Utah got up and said, you know, if we have background checks at gun shows, it'll be the death of gun shows. And all he has to do is come out to the Orange County Fairgrounds when they're in here for the weekend, or look what happened in Ontario last weekend. And just We have in place an excellent background check system in California. The federal government just needs to replicate it. All gun sales and transfers must go through a licensed dealer. There must be a background check. There is a waiting period. Right now, Claudia, 40%, four out of ten transfers, there's no questions asked. No background check, no nothing. Criminals, mentally, in, mentally impaired, uh, domestic abusers they can go and they can buy any That's type federal. of weapon and no background check at all 40%
0: of the of the non-California transactions
2: Well, of the United States of, uh, 40% right. of the sales in the United States. For example, we have good friends who live up in Nevada County which is near Reno. Right. And they go over the border when there's gun shows in Reno and they say they are overwhelmed by the number of California license plates that are in the parking lot and when they go to the Reno gun show there are absolutely no no background checks, no questions asked. So 40% of the gun transfers throughout the United States. Right. That's why we need to call our federal representatives at this time. It's a federal issue, when, especially when California borders states like Arizona and Nevada. We need to have a federal law here that says we need... I mean, Wayne here basically said we should have a, um, a better uh, mental uh, health... Um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Well, he for? wanted
0: to address some sort of mental health aspect as opposed to the gun ownership proliferation. It was sort of like the other, another yes, factor. Yes, but he
2: needed, we needed some type of a backlog. We needed a registry. And what he failed to say is that even if we had that particular information, if we don't have background checks for these sales, what good does it have to have all this other information? We need to keep dangerous hands out of dangerous weapons out of dangerous hands and we're not doing that forty percent of the overall gun transfers and sales in the united states no questions asked in fact i remember my wife and i were keynote speakers at columbine in denver colorado the, the weekend after that tragedy and we were uh, talking to a number of the parents of people who lost their mm. their children at columbine high school and we were told point blank the eighteen-year-old girl who bought those guns for the shooters at a gun show would not have done so if there were background checks and paperwork.
0: Right, right. Like buying buying alcohol for the under underage. Or exactly. Something like
2: that. A good, that, com- a good, good. Uh, yes.
0: Well, if you've joined us, folks, my guest in this portion of the hour is Charles Bleck, president of the Orange County chapter of the Brady Campaign to Prevent Gun Violence. Here on Ask a Leader on KD, KUci eighty eight point nine FM in Irvine, streaming all over the whole wide world, folks on KUci org. Well, I'm really uh intrigued i'm uh i'm feeling uplifted here that Gabrielle giffords and her husband mark kelly they've just launched a political action committee americans for responsible solutions and uh uh, Mark Kelly gets at this point that uh about the good guy having a gun is going to protect everybody. I don't know if you saw that but he I'm going to quote him what he said in a, a press release that the good guy he argued it uh came out of the store this he was talking about when his wife and was in shot. Fact, this is the
2: 2 year two anniversary years of that shooting today. Exactly,
0: 2 years today. Yes. And uh, the man he says quote came out of the next door and nearly shot the man who took down Gerald Jared yes. Loffner, So the irony is, you mean the gun that was supposed to be protecting somebody was going to put another person who had a very important role in, uh, in stopping this crime from per- perpetuating... Well, Claudia,
2: shows like yours are so important because he read a statement at the sentencing for the shooter. Oh, yes. And the press completely ignored the part about how he really went after Arizona gun laws and the availability of the gun. We have to understand that that shooter was able to fire 30 bullets within a 45-second period, 30 bullets within 45 seconds, and he was only subdued after he went to reload. The key here is 19 people would not have been shot and six would not have died if we had a national standard that said no more than 10 rounds to a magazine that's so simple we have it in california we need it nationally in fact in california to show you the the ill will of the gun industry they have now what they do they call they sell clip mag they sell clip kits which will clip together the yes. 10 round magazines so you can continue to shoot bullets without interruption and the focus behind having a limit of 10 rounds claudia was when that person does go to reload he can be overpowered or so on, that It just subverts the whole concept of public safety, and all they're doing is they're doing it to promote their own profit, and that's just plain wrong.
0: Right, and sort of getting the few kind of poster boys to come out and say, well, but we like those unlimited clips because it's it's such a joyride. No, when we
2: tolerate 30 or 50 or 100-round clips or magazines, all we're saying, Claudia, is we're sanctioning the hunting of other human beings. We are enabling these massacres nothing short of that. You know, Claudia, when you and I were growing up, we used to address issues as black or white, right or wrong. And unfortunately, in gun control or gun responsible gun policies, there's two new colors. It's green and it's red. And green is the profit margin that our gun makers are putting in their pockets. The green light. And red is the blood of our loved ones that are flowing in the street. And we have to do something about it. Enough well, is enough.
0: And when you talked about the NRA having um, a low dividend on their political campaign investments, mm-hmm. uh, the, what I what Gabrielle Giffords and Mark Kelly are going to try to join forces with you, I mean, have they been in touch with you directly?
2: Have you, I'm not involved at the national level. Be. But uh, the person who succeeded her, uh, the House member whose name escapes me mm-hmm. right now, right. Yes. Uh, is very adamant about carrying on the campaign, and uh, in fact, he was on a national call with Brady campaign uh, last night, explaining that he was conscious during the shooting that he was himself shot, and he talked about the chaos of the 45-second period where 30 bullets were fired and 19 people were felled. Six of whom died, and his description was just bone chilling. It was just very, very vivid. Well, I'm so sh- I'm sure he will be a voice along with Carolyn McCarthy and so many yes. other people who have suffered personal losses.
0: Right. She was. All, it was a Long Island train where her yes, uh, her, where her husband, husband was, was, killed was killed and her
2: son was shot.
0: Yes. So um, we have then. Uh, it's it's a remarkable uh, array of vivid poster people i 'm sorry i can 't put it any other way because n r a has been using the sort of uh, the um, recreational uh gunmen as a as a poster for for their uh, cause and it's been it's been such a persistent uh a reach that they've had. We're talking earlier about the uh, back to. The, we we're saying about the dividends were low for the NRA in the general election. Mark Kelly and Gabrielle Giffords are trying to use their political action committee to go after uh, those expenditures in the primary that are thinning out the candidates to
2: one well, I'm s- very proud of our Brady campaign too. We have a website, wearebetterthanthis.org, dot org, where there is a petition online that can be signed and sent to the president. Uh, also, if you want to stay focused with us here in Orange County, yes uh, on an email we have Orange County Brady chapter, all one word at? Orange County Brady chapter at gmail.com. And quite frankly uh, the first four years of our president's uh, tenure, we were extremely disappointed. In fact, the Brady campaign gave him an F on his efforts. And now he seems to have come to an appreciation of what we're talking about. And quite frankly, I'm excited that Vice President Biden is heading up this commission, Mm -hmm. and I'm looking for a number of things to come out of it, but specifically on the federal level, to have all gun sales go through background checks and to have a limit on the size of the magazines. And I hope that your listeners will call their federal representatives uh, and emphasize how important this is to our on public safety, I can
0: I can't think of anything less than shaming for some of the uh, the, the local uh, congressional delegation that uh, are uh, pretty tone deaf when it gets to some these kinds of policies. I have
2: been extremely disappointed, but Orange County is changing. Uh, I'm very pleased that yes. uh, the mayor of Fullerton is now our assembly representative, Sharon Quirk Silva who uh, defeated a f- uh, former supervisor and assembly member, Chris Norby. And what's significant there is the California Rifle and Pistol Association is headquartered in Fullerton, and we elected a person who signed the Brady Pledge that we want to keep dangerous weapons out of dangerous hands, and we supported her, we campaigned for her, and we actually donated to her committee or to her re-elect- her election And uh, she will bring a breath of fresh air to our to. Uh, The reputation that is well deserved, but we're going to change here in Orange County.
0: And how beneficial do you think Charlie Black um, it is for us to reach uh, out to the federal agencies like the Center for Disease Control and appeal to their funding um, mechanisms to to set priorities for gun violence for
2: disease control. When they first tried to do some simple tracking, some simple right. uh, the House of Representatives cut that part of their budget over approximately three million dollars, they just cut it right out because all they wanted to do was a research project. We have to tell our House members that in order to create safety standards that we need, we need information, and the NRA went out of its way to choke off that information right. pipeline, and that just shows you what we 're dealing with here
0: so that's where the the pressure can be exerted. Have to be that on way. the house. It's the, the one that
2: creates the budget and delegates the money. Excellent point. Uh, I'm convinced that the disease, the Center for Disease Control, the CDC, wants to do the research. They want to publicize. They want to move forward. They realize that. Gun violence is a public health issue, and they cannot do that because the House of Representatives will not fund any of their research projects. And
0: for people that are puzzling why CDC, it's because that uh, gun violence is the second uh, second highest cause of death for young for 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 teenagers at least.
2: Yes, yes. So. for our 15 through 24 year olds, it's it's a real tragedy, and yet. We cannot, I mean, when we go and we talk with our legislators, they say, well, show us some statistics, and obviously the NRA has done their homework because they have cut off that pipeline by cutting out the funding for the CDC to do that research.
0: Okay. Well, we've got, uh, folks, you've got, first you've got your congressional delegation to appeal to, and they're very easy to reach. You know how to do that. Then there is also the, uh, the uh, We've talked about the Orange County Brady chapter at gmail.com. You can join them on Twitter and on Facebook, the Orange County chapter. And the wearebetterthanthis.org is yet another important uh, way of following. It's getting pledges lined up. And uh, so let's just say at this point, Charlie Black, the Orange County uh, chapter president for the the Brady um, uh, campaign for prevention of gun violence, what, what, Is this the moment, is this the best moment you've seen since you lost your Matthew in terms of mobilizing political will as we close out the interview?
2: Yes, it is. And we really are better than this. And now is the time that we need to continue to put the pressure on our elected representatives. They're supposed to look out for our public safety, not just do the bidding of the National Rifle Association.
0: Well... There you are, folks. I want to thank Charlie Bleck and his wife Mary Lee Bleck's uh, tireless efforts in paring down the proliferation of gun ownership on on the behalf of uh, the the pub, of making public health policy better here. And uh, I just want to express to you directly and to your wife my deep condolences for the loss that you and yours uh, continue to grieve as more violence is wrecked upon young and old in our country. Thank you, Charlie Bleck, for being on Ask a Leader.
2: Thank you, Claudia, for your concern and the time that we can educate our general public.
0: We'll stay tuned as developments occur, and I would love you to come right back here, please, but with your wife on a different telephone. Okay. Okay, thanks a lot. All the best. Thank you. Well, that is a wrap. I wanted to thank you all for listening to today's program. Tomorrow, or today, uh, at the Irvine City Council, I'm going to segue to other kinds of, of dis- travesties, dismantlings, whatever you want to call it. Uh, today, the City Council will be convening at 5:30. It's going to take up, amongst other matters, the reconfiguration of the Orange County Great Park Board. Uh, they're going to be looking, at authorizing an audit. That's not going to come cheap. And what was, will the city be getting for that audit? Uh, it's going to be item 3.2 on the agenda. If you go up to the um, IrvineQuickRecords.com website and see uh, when uh, where that is on the agenda 3.2. I'm uh, going to be there at the city council meeting tonight at 5.30 or right after when I know that agenda item's coming up. I hope that others will be there too and watch carefully for any changes that are going to uh, erode the bennies that we've been appreciating with the Orange County Great Park. I want my park, and I want it intact, and I want it for posterity for people that are here after I'm long gone. Stay tuned for George Had a Hat with George Rosali as a host. Thank you for listening. Talk with you next week.
2: If I could holler
1: like a mountain jack I'd climb the highest mountain to call my baby back, oh, how long, yes, how long.